Welcome to Angry Dad Podcast number two. This time my guest is David Kalo. David is a writer. He lives in Cape Cod. He is an avid game player, plays a lot of different types of tabletop games. I've known Dave for a number of years. We worked together at the unofficial Apple weblog, which was owned by AOL. And I noticed that David also plays a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons. So we'll also ask him about that. But he's pretty up to date on a lot of the new games out there. He's going to tell us what he likes, what he doesn't like. He's also got a few really good Dungeons and Dragons tricks, especially if you are a dungeon master. Stay tuned. This is episode two of the Angry Dad Gamer, Both Sides of the Table podcast. I'm here with Dave Kalo, and I know Dave from back in the old uh, blogging for money days uh, at AOL with <laughs> the unofficial Apple weblog. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, just soaking up the uh, early summer that we got up here, or down here, I should say. And so I'm sure you guys are just about on track for the summer fun. Yeah, we're on the cusp of, we're wrapping up four days of rain right now, so it, it, it's a great time. Yikes. Oh, that's fun. Uh, especially when you live so close to the beach and it's like, well, it's raining. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, let's get right down to it. We're going to ask five questions and just take your time answering these. You're not going to be graded at the end or anything like that. Um, All right. But I'm always curious to hear from a player's perspective, uh, what tabletop games do you remember growing up? Oh, when I was young, we played uh, Life a lot. Uh, we played Monopoly. We had a lot of house rules for both. Like um, in Life, if you were strapped for cash, you could sell a kid for <laughs> like a hundred bucks or so. Uh, we played Monopoly a lot. And back then, I mean, that's when I thought a two hour game was long. Um, oh yeah. We also played when we would go to my grandmother's house, which was just like a block away. We would play a uh, rummy all the time. And I remember sitting around the table with my parents and my grandparents and my aunts and uncles when I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. And my uncle was especially cutthroat and he'd lean over to me and say like, I'll give you $3 for that card. Rummy's a, a, a pretty like, uh, that's a pretty serious game. That's a pretty tough game. Yeah. It's not in the category that I would did I call friendship ender? But it it rides the line. <laughs> um, oh, that's pretty cool. It sounds like you were playing the Charles Dickens version of life. By the way, I'm not. It's like <laughs> I lived in a Norman Rockwell painting. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of different variations of Monopoly, but did, did you guys? You just had, of course, the standard. That was by our generation didn't know like all the different branded Monopolies you've got now. Right. It was Monopoly or not Monopoly. You didn't have like Star Wars Monopoly or Lord of the Rings or whatever it is like you do today. Kids these days with all their choices, it, which all just seem like a cash grab to me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So second question, have you always played or did you, or did, was there something new to renew your interest in the past few years? Like there's a sort of board game renaissance happening. And I'm curious if you've been like one of those dudes who, you know, hung out in the nineties in the comic shop and was buying board games from Steve Jackson or whatever, or, or is this just something that you've kind of like reignited in the past few years? Yeah, I took a big break when I was in like, you know, younger, like I said earlier, and then in high school, uh, we played board games a lot for whatever reason. And high school, we would play risk and, you know, that type of thing. And then after school, I stopped when I went to college. And then really for the beginning of my adult life, I didn't play games at all. And then maybe, oh my God, six, seven years ago, I was out and about in town and went past the local library. And there was a sign outside that said to come play board games. And I thought, oh, what the heck? I used to like to do that. And here were all the games that that I love now, but I had never seen before. And I like I was 
the first game I played was King of Tokyo. Maybe some of your listeners know that. You get these big Ooh, chunky yeah. dice you get to throw. And I thought, wow, this is really fun. And that's when I started to realize that the renaissance you mentioned was happening. And there's so many more games available that are so unlike life and Monopoly that really grabbed my attention. And since then, I've been playing <laughs> pretty much nonstop. Yeah, there's well, you can practically play nonstop uh, and, and not get bored. I mean, my God, there's so many games, like you said, uh, which brings us to our third question. What games have you played recently that you really liked and why? Oh, my goodness. Now, how long is this shelving? <laughs> Just pick a couple, especially I'm, I'm curious about ones that sort of have maybe sort of a, a different mechanic or something. You know, if there is, I, oh, I sure. see so many that are just so weird looking and I'm like, oh, my God, these are wild. There are weird and wild games. Let's see. I'll pick one role playing game. Um, currently, I'm playing City of Mist, which is really, really fun. It was a Kickstarter game. Um, it's an RPG. And the idea is you're an ordinary Joe or an ordinary Jane in a contemporary, like modern day, large city. Um, you have your life and your job and whatever you'd like. And there's also this hint of you um, that is somehow special. Like maybe you have wizard traits or maybe you have fighter traits or maybe you have some sort of mystical thing that allows you to see and talk with ghosts. And as you play, you get to those. That's called your mythos uh, traits. And there's your logos traits, which are your sort of average workaday Joe kind of traits. And as you play, you get to either lean more in one direction or the other and it's really narrative and it's a lot less combat focused than something like D&D and it's just been so much fun because we don't really know where the story is going to go and we'll end up some I'm some old dude with a hawk for a weapon and it's wacky fun um, so if you like really just an opportunity to go crazy with the narrative and just let it launch and go wherever it goes a City of Mist is a great way to go there as far as a, like a tabletop game there's one called uh, I'm going to mispronounce it but um, Zulkin the Mayan Calendar I think it's like T apostrophe Z O-L, blah, 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 blah. You'll find it on Board Game Key. Um, it's worker placement, but the idea is it's one uh, year. And so on the board are like five big interlocking gears. And on your turn, you can either place a worker or remove a worker. So when you place a worker on the gear at the end of each round or day, the gear turns and all of them turn. And at each location is a new resource or benefit you'll get by taking your person off. So you want to cleverly plan when you're going to put him or her down on what gear and what turn you're going to take them off to get the resource that you need. And of course, everyone else is trying to do the same thing at the same time. And um, it's really fun. So if you like sort of thinky, fiddly games with lots of bits, uh, that's a great way to go. That's a brilliant mechanic, too. That's awesome. Yeah, it's super fun because you can see up oh, the end of the year is four clicks away and I'm doomed because I can't afford to pay <laughs> my people. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, so is there anything that you would warn against? Was there something that just, you know, I mean, I I, I hate to be negative, but sometimes there's something yeah. where you get it and you're just like, ah, this wasn't that great. Or something yeah, that maybe you thought wasn't going to be great that turned out okay. Sure. There's a game that I loathe that everyone else loves uh, called Ra, R-A, you know, the, the Egyptian mm -hmm. sun god. Oh, my God. I'd rather jump from the window and run screaming than play this game. But for some reason, everyone else loves it. It's just too thinky and fit. Uh, th I'm, well, too thinky. I guess there is a category of Euro game that is that my friends and I call brain burners, where you have to basically do math or something like that <laughs> the whole time. And um, I don't want to think. I mean, I'll, I'm happy to think in one way, but I don't want it to be like labor intensive so mm -hmm. just try as many games as you can and you'll find the ones that appeal to you or don't appeal to you um i like worker placement euro games but i don't like like number crunchy games where i'm literally doing math <laughs> every time um that's kind of aggravating 
Yeah, that, and that's a good point, and that's why I asked that question too. Is because I'm I'm curious. Everybody sort of has their style of play, and and mm-hmm. uh, it's funny to read sort of reviews on, like you mentioned, Board Game Geek, uh, and see some people have a proclivity for a particular mechanic. Like some people hate the fact that you would ever roll dice ever in your life, you know, for right. something. And mm-hmm. it's just uh, some people love the narrative, and I think that's maybe where your bent is is in that uh, that narrative stuff. Okay, so last question, and this is an easy one: Where can people find you oh you can find me at david kalo on twitter and uh that's kind of it right now i have an instagram and every once in a while i'll post a picture of uh, a dice or a board game (laughs) Uh, and it's the same username you can find it over there as well and of course, I said that was the last question. This is the bonus round because, as oh. we mentioned, yeah, you're in the D and D campaign. So, really, our fifth question is, where can people find you? But because I know you run a D and D campaign, I always I want to ask this bonus question. And what is your process in putting together Dungeons and Dragons campaigns? Yeah, well, let me see. My friends and I have been playing RPGs for, like I said, about five or six years now. We all take a turn uh, DMing or GMing. Uh, depending on the game, of course. And right now I'm running a camp- campaign of um, Tomb of Annihilation, which has been so much fun. We've been at it for, oh my gosh, six or seven months at this point. My team really loves to analyze every single thing. So I think it moves slowly. But um, as far as prep work is concerned, um, I learned my lesson about over-preparing. I also learned my lesson that they're going to do whatever they want to do. And often that's not what you want them to do. You know, like you're in the the tavern and the barmaid comes over and the first thing they have to do is have a conversation with her and the bar decides to kill her. Well, now you can just take your carefully written notes and throw them in the trash. <laughs> um, so what I'll do is there's a couple of things that like tippy things that I really like to do. If I'm certain or I'm pretty sure they're going to encounter these certain monsters or these certain bad guys, I like to write their stats down in an index card because I think it really interrupts the flow if I'm like, oh, hold on, guys. And I get out the monster manual and I'm flipping back and forth between pages to get their stats. That's just, you know, it sort of breaks the magic, if you will. So I love to have all those things written down on little index cards so I can just glance at them. And when it's time for, you know, Efron the gnome to appear, I can just pick up his thing and we're ready to go. Another fun thing I started doing is, um, you know, like someone has to make a perception check and the elf is the only one whose perception is high enough to notice that the door is rigged with a rusty trap. But when I say you notice the door is rigged with a rusty trap i'm really telling everybody so now the whole party knows so now if there's something that only one character would know i also write that down and just pass it to them Ah. and that way they can do whatever they choose with that information and it's not like you know the elf noticed it but i'm literally telling the whole table um so that's been a little bit of fun as well so i will read ahead in the book whatever the adventure is i will make index cards for any potential mobs and i also have open in a tab um roll 20 as some of your listeners might know is a way to play games online they have an online database of really everything you'd ever want to know about fifth edition rules or spells or mobs or anything. And I have that open in a tab as well. So when they want to do some wacky thing or find a trinket, they love finding trinkets and not just roll on a trinket table. I have those things open as well. So when those spontaneous moments happen, I'm not like, you know, hemming and hawing and again, breaking the magic of the moment. That's fantastic. I I feel like, uh, if Walt Disney were to be a dungeon master, you would be Walt Disney uh, as a dungeon master. That's fantastic. Uh, well, cool. Dave Kalo, thanks so much again. People can find you at Dave Kalo on uh, Twitter, right? So, oh, David. Sorry. David. There we go. At David Kalo on Twitter. Twitter.